1: at LuckyLandslots.com.
2: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions supply. The Slate Political Gabfest is brought to you by Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage using your own computer and printer and save up to 80% compared to a postage meter. Sign up for Stamps.com and get a four-week trial and a $110 bonus offer when you use the promo code GabFest. And by Harry's, the shaving company that offers German-engineered blades well-designed handles, and shipping right to your door. Visit harrys.com for $5 off your first purchase with the promo code GABFEST. And by The Message, an original science fiction podcast from Panoply and GE Podcast Theater. All of Season 1 is available now, so listen and find out why a 70-year-old alien recording seems to be killing people. Search for The Message on iTunes. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to the Slate Political Gab Fest for December 4th, 2015, the Everything is Absolutely Terrible edition. I'm David Plotz of Atlas Obscura. What is not terrible, the only thing that's not terrible in the world, as far as I can tell, is that we're all together.
3: Yay! Yes, it's, a, all... it's a metaphor. We need to all come together to solve these
2: problems. Is that do you, Does that imply that by the end them. of the show, we will have solved these problems?
3: No, I just mean it's a good first step for any life.
2: All right, that's John Dickerson. Of face the nation, inspirational theater, (laughs) and politics. And to my right is Emily Bazelon. Hello, Emily. Welcome to Washington.
1: I'm so glad to be here with you guys. Pleasure.
2: What brings you to town?
1: I got to moderate a panel that the White House and Department of Justice were putting on an event about bail reform and addressing the problems of fees and fines that courts impose and inadvertently ruin people's lives. That's really interesting.
2: a good subject. That's Emily Bazelon of the New York Times Magazine, of course. On this week's GabFest, a show that will be filled with fury and disappointment and sorrow, and there won't even be any Donald Trump in it. There is probably another mass shooting going on, even as we tape, but we will try to make sense of the last few senseless ones. Then the Paris Climate Conference, as uh, 30,000 scientists and politicians decide how quickly Earth should become an uninhabitable hellscape. Should it be in our lifetime, or should we wait until our grandchildren grow up for it to be completely uninhabitable? Then the Laquan McDonald disgrace in Chicago takes down a police chief, but should it take down Mayor Rahm Emanuel, too? In Slate Plus, Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla Chan vow to use 99% of their fortune for good. Is this generous or is it something more sinister? I think it's more sinister. No matter what Mark Zuckerberg does, it's sinister? No, I'll tell you why it's sinister. If you're not yet a Slate Plus member... You can get it by going to Slate.com slash GabFest Plus. It's the price of like one one one-millionth of a Zuckerberg. One one one-billionth of a Zuckerberg. Less than a billionth of a Zuckerberg. A billionth of a Zuckerberg to get a Slate Plus membership. Maybe he could buy Slate Plus memberships for... Everyone he knows. For mankind. For every person on Facebook. Imagine that. That would be useful. America's mass shooting nightmares continued this week. Robert Deere killed three at a Planned Parenthood... Clinic in Colorado. A few days later, before Deer was even bumped off front pages and home pages, another slaughter, this time in San Bernardino, California. We're taping this on Thursday and midday. And what we know now seems to be that Syed Farouk and his wife Tashfeen Malik apparently committed this murder at an office party at a Department of Health holiday party in San Bernardino, where Farouk had worked. That's about What we know, that he and his wife came back, dropped their baby off with the grandmother, came back heavily armed and protected in body armor, and then killed at least 14 people, then were themselves later killed in a shootout with police. Uh, Let's start with San Bernardino.
1: I mean, the first thing is just that this is a crazy fact pattern for a mass shooting. To have two people commit it together is unusual. I think, aside from the Columbine school shootings, there's only been one other one like this in recent memory. And then the idea that it's this a husband and wife at his former workplace. And the most chilling detail is the one that you started with about dropping off a six month old baby. We think of new parents as people who are committed to bringing up their children and have some degree of hope about the world. And it's just completely shocking, and I can't believe, and yet, of course, it's true that we live in a country where this happens over and over again, and we've basically accepted that we are going to live with this incredibly random, if statistically slight, risk that someone is just going to open fire.
2: I'm going to play the Ted Cruz in this. If it turns out that these folks are – motivated by some ideology, by a radical Islamic ideology. They have, we have been no to idea. Saudi
1: Arabia. He have, apparently met his wife there. Yeah,
2: we don't know. We have no right. idea at this point. But if it turns out, does that change the conversation entirely? Politically, it changes the conversation because it goes to ISIS and it gets
3: away from the debate about accessibility of weapons and in this case so that so the so the second amendment gun, gun control con- debate right. is, is a- one set and then there's the terrorism conversation which is another set and there will be a tug of war to
2: see right and there's actually a the third because of the space. deer shooting there's this other one which is is it the aggressive rhetoric of anti-abortion Protesters is it rhetoric that is causing it? So there's yeah. these, there's a whole kind of triangular dynamic that's taking place. Well,
1: and the the well, I mean I don't want to suggest that we know this, but if it turns out that the San Bernardino shooting was ideologically driven, then we would have had a week of these two horrific examples of different extremist ideologies playing out in this violent way. But the one fa- of which,
3: although why don't we take in part the three different uh, baskets that we've addressed on the ideological one? The thing that one of you the two of you can explain to me is on the one hand you have an ideology ideology if it's involved in the shooting uh, in San Bernardino. The ideology is to actually take action, specifically to kill Westerners. It isn't the claim of those who want to restrict abortion rights. So that seems to be to be something that has to be worked out.
1: Yeah. So those are that's a really important distinction to make. It is also true that there have been 11 killings at abortion clinics since 1993, and that there is an extremist, violent edge of being that against movement. abortion, yeah. and that it, there's a logic to it, twisted as it may be, which is that if you really believe that abortion clinics are places where hundreds, thousands of innocent babies are being murdered, then why wouldn't that right. be justifiable homicide? And there are anti abortion advocates who make that argument. You know, the current head of Operation Rescue is a guy, according to Katha Pollitt, who is writing about this this week. He thinks that abortion providers should get the death penalty and it should be a capital crime. So Robert Deere apparently, according to one law enforcement official, said this phrase, no more baby parts, which seems to really be reflecting rhetoric from Ted Cruz, from Carly Fiorina, from, you know, other people on the right for whom the Planned Parenthood videos released in July have just been this, I don't know what to say, excuse to make the provision of abortion and its place in women's health care into this, you know, kind of demonic seeming. Practice, and then once you have that out there, it just seems to me that it, it's not surprising that some person, even if it turns out it's out of mental imbalance as much as ideology, would be driven to the extreme of picking up a gun.
2: There's this whole question about: Are we allowed to go to motivation? Surely, with the San Bernardino killings, there'll be an attempt to. Tie, or are we allowed to go to ideology? There'll be an attempt to tie it to ideology. Um,
1: by the people on the right the, who don't want right, to tie, tie
2: deer to ideology. Well, you, but
3: again, the gap is there's a gap that you have to jump. It had the appearance of a workplace dispute, but then of right. course when they came back, it, they were obviously planning something. This right. wasn't just right. they went home and grabbed what right. was on the shelf. Right. So that's another weird piece of. But the it could still turn out to
1: be all about the
3: workplace, sure. and not about and not have nothing to do with ideology, right. and, and the role it may or may not play in the actual shooting. If the one ideology says go kill people. And the other ideology just is a lot of public talk about what abortion rights opponents think is a bad thing. It's not telling people to go take action. There is a longer leap between the shooting and the rhetoric. And it seems to me, obviously, the distance in that leap is what we're trying to figure out here. I mean, you throw in why not in the Black Lives Matter uh, debate. There are a lot of conservatives who say those who shouted kill the police in a Black Lives Matter March, even though there are a couple of voices, are directly linked to the shootings of cops. So, you know, we'll have that we can throw. I mean, into I, the...
2: what the interesting point there is, John, that the distance of leap. And I think what that's a really good way to think about it. Actually, that's a very that's a key. It's a useful it's metaphor a useful
1: because everybody there is a leap in each case. In each case, right. right?
2: It's and, short. And, and what in, America yes. does is that makes the leap immediately. America makes a leap shorter for everything, whatever your ideology, it makes it shorter because you can do it because you have access to the weapons that allow you to do it.
3: I think, well, I think we can talk about that. But hold on, let's, can we stay on the ideology thing? Because um, it seems to me that somebody who says, kill the police, and then a person goes and shoots police officers, that's a shorter leap than the leap that that people are positing in the Colorado Springs shooting.
1: So we should just stipulate, like most anti-abortion Opponents and most Black Lives Matter protesters are not advocating violence. quite the opposite. But it is true that, you know, there are these very ugly, violent words that get used. I mean, there have been a couple of Black Lives Matter protests where at least one more people were chanting, you know, kill the pigs, fry them up like bacon, which is very graphic and pretty parallel to some of the anti-abortion rhetoric, where it's not just call for like killing or war in an abstract sense. It's like a very visceral sort of image that could get in some crazy person's brain and um, inspire them.
3: So now let's figure out whether even if somebody as if some members of a group are shouting something that is direct action of violence, whether the entire group gets put on the hook for that, regardless of who the group is.
1: I don't think it's that the group... Well, so what I feel like is important is for for people to acknowledge that the link is there and then think about the cost of the speech, right? I mean, obviously everyone has the right to scream murderers at abortion clinics and to scream kill the police at the cops, but... Is that really what you should want to be doing? And when someone dies and it seems like there is a tie, even if it is attenuated, do you want to feel like maybe you have blood on your hands in some way? I was reading a piece this morning by a minister who had – been someone who protested outside of an abortion clinic in upstate New York and was screaming murderers at doctors. And then an abortion provider was killed in upstate New York. And he had his own moment of reflection. He said that was like sort of over 10 years. He came to grips with the fact that he did feel in some way responsible and he didn't want that on his conscience anymore. And I was just so relieved by the honesty of Mm -hmm. that.
3: I think the cost of the speech is a is a really interesting way to think of it also from the standpoint of the tactical downside of exaggerated speech, which is, is it getting you anywhere with anyone? If your goal, I mean, what's your goal here? Are you trying to convince people of something? And I think this could arguably get us into what people have been talking about with prayer shaming in the wake of the San Bernardino shooting, people saying that politicians who say their prayers are with the victims are using kind of phony bromides and not taking action, and well, that this and has been called prayer shaming in the New York Times. Twitter D-
1: feed from this guy. Did you see that? This guy, I think, Progress, whose name is not in my head. Igorovsky or something like that. We'll post to it. But his Twitter feed was every single one of those tweets from members of Congress with a note from him about how much money they had taken from the NRA mm-hmm. or something akin to their lack of action on these issues. And and the New York
3: and- Daily News uh, did a cover saying, God's not going to help this, but gun laws. I think So in that instance, I think you can have a discussion about prayer separately. But I think as a tactical matter, if, if your goal is to try to build bridges and try to figure out how to enact gun control, and the only way that could be done is with the help of some of the legislators from the other side of this issue, you have just walled that off when you make this. Because the the view of people who are Second Amendment supporters is that this it's bigger than the guns. It's about culture. And when you denigrate their religion... Or when they feel as though you're denigrating their religion, then you've wa- then you've really shut off. So just from a oh, tactical but matter,
2: come on. But John, like the, all the tactics, I mean, think about it. There, there's nothing. The movement on the right on this issue has been all rightward. There hasn't been.
3: You, well, that, you know,
2: President Obama was very calm and reasoned about the first 27 of these shootings and and still the right went right. right. I don't think so that, well, I don't think a it's separate. I think it's disingenuous to say, oh, now the left is acting in bad faith when no, they, no, no. When they tell people this and that, that that's a bad tactic. I mean, the so, tactic. So, of well, acting bad faith. In good and, faith so, so bad act- faith
3: and tactic are two different things. So I didn't say bad faith. I'm saying is if you what is your goal? What's your end game goal? If your goal is to say these people are total phonies. And and to have that cathartic feeling, a and b think that maybe by saying that you can out them, and that changes the course of the conversation. Then maybe that is the tactically right way to go. If you're, well, if I'm your saying that the goal... other
2: tactic, what the tactic hasn't worked with, the non-shaming tactic has not worked at all. The right will never say this, but Obama has been very respectful of gun rights and very very much a sort of. Is it much as a as a as a liberal president can be a respecter of Second Amendment rights and what has happened? So that's gone further and further so and further and further. So and further that's right. fine. So so so, 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 the, so so, I don't think it's wrong for people on the left to say, you know what, we're just going to well, screw it. it the we're going to tactically, we're going to make that, we're going to heighten the contradiction here.
3: So basically, is your view that there is no room for compromise with anybody on the right at all? So in other words, how does
2: the law get enacted? The fact that nothing happened after Newtown when somebody. Who shouldn't have access to guns went and murdered children at a school, and that nothing could happen after that sort of said, this this country I, is irrevocably screwed if you think it's a compromise issue. It has to well, be then that's it fine. has to be done in a different way.
3: Right. So how much more successful is that? Do you think it's going to be know. that much more successful? I mean we'll, well, in we'll play the short this out hand, in the play, short
1: term, there's no chance of success for this.
3: Right. That's I guess my point is so what is the what's the benefit you get from this? that actually solves you, the problem you, itself. You turn you turn
2: ter- 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 it into an ideological issue for the left in the way that it is for the right. Well, how, how, the how is that done? People on the left say that actually this gun, the gun culture that we have, the easy access to guns, is no longer accepted. It is not something that you I'm You have really 90%
3: just- support for the background
2: but check vote. No, no, but it's, not, but it's soft support. People aren't voting
3: right, on exactly. that issue. And I but, think does, but does bringing the- religion into it make people who are not yet already motivated by the killing of children that much more motivated?
1: I'm not sure I agree with this idea, but is there some way in which highlighting the hypocrisy of all the our prayers are with you makes other people or the people who are drawn to that line themselves sort of sit up and think about whether this is an issue that's worth voting on and really forcing politics, because like you said, 90%, it's not that the country isn't here. It's that we don't care enough about this to break the stranglehold of that the NRA has over politicians who need their A rating in in order to get reelected. And maybe there's no answer until somehow there's like a redistricting revolution and we lose all these safe seats for people who are being pushed right as well as left because that's where they are. But you always want to stand for rational argument. And it just feels like the rational arguments about this have been made until people People are like purple in the face. And yeah, they I don't just win. I
3: guess I'm just skeptical that well, or is this just it's, it's perfectly fine to have it be it, a right? kind of a, a kind of cry
2: of the heart. But well, it doesn't. It's, no, no, it's not, I don't think it political. is a cry of heart. I think it's saying it's saying, you know, there are 10 percent of voters in this country who are truly turned on by this gun issue and will vote on this issue from the right mm-hmm. and, and give money and give money. And that that 10 percent has an enormous impact in politics. There is not there's maybe one percent on the left. Even though the support for some of the issues on the left around gun registration and, and background checks is extremely high. But it's really only 1%. If we turn that 1% into 10% and, then, and turn the 10% on the right into 15%, we're in better shape. Because we at least have a strong faction of people who, for whom this is a massive, important partisan issue. In a world where, ever, where, where politics seems to be going towards not winning a middle but building up a side that this seems to be a perfectly reasonable strategy.
3: I think the better argument is that you're not going to increase the liberals who are not motivated because I think they were sufficiently motivated by the Newtown shooting. I think that by pulling away what people have argued is a curtain of prayer in the in the wake of these shootings, by saying by saying something that's shocking and pulling that down, you focus people on the donations behind it and that kind of brings into higher relief
2: why these why there's been political inactivity. It
1: makes people realize there's this organization that is manipulated. But I actually don't think debate. there's
2: political inactivity because I don't think these politicians are hypocrites. I don't think they're taking money and to endorse a position they don't believe in. I think they believe in this position right. and they're happy to take money well, because they believe so, that, that's but the then funny thing that's about the money case, in politics then how and how money and politics this? supports people who already believe in those issues.
3: So but if that's the case then well, I still that, don't see I'm how. I'm sorry
1: that takes us back to redistricting and changing the kinds of politicians who get elected because they have to make broader appeals to constituencies that aren't completely in one corner or the other.
2: All right. Let's hear from our sponsor Stamps.com with the holidays almost here you don't have time to go to the post office. You'll have to deal with the traffic, the parking, and once you're there, it will be packed with everyone mailing holiday gifts and packages. So use stamps.com instead. With stamps.com, you can avoid all the hassle of going to the post office during the busy holiday season. Everything you would do at the post office, you can do right from your desk. Buy and print official US postage using your own computer and printer. Print postage for any letter or package the instant you need it. Then the mail carrier will pick it up. It's easy and it's convenient and you should use it. Right now, we have a special offer. If you sign up for Stamps.com and use our promo code GABFEST, you'll get a special four-week trial and a $110 bonus offer, which includes postage and a digital scale. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in GABFEST. That's Stamps.com. Enter GABFEST. COP21, the climate conference in Paris, is taking place this week and I think next week. There are 30,000 people attending this conference, including an incredible number of world leaders. There is no binding treaty that is going to come out of this conference. The world recognized that the U.S., given the Senate composition that it has, cannot sign a binding treaty. So they've given up on that idea. Instead, there's sort of a voluntary offering, a potluck dinner Mm -hmm. has been described as, where countries are coming and offering voluntarily to make certain cuts, twenty five percent here in emissions, thirty percent there. If you added up enough enough countries making enough commitments, perhaps we can keep the planetary catastrophe to a reasonable level to Slow. Keep keep the temperature rise to six degrees for the Earth over the next century. Which is still but many Instead degrees. Of eight degrees just, maybe. We are
1: trying to keep it under two.
2: Yeah, they used to be. Now South they've given East. up on. Well, they still like. I guess they're still trying to keep it. On. There's some people so who want it. One, one, five, one five, yeah. But those are just the islands that are actually going to get swallowed in the next. You know, I
1: mean, everyone would like time. many things, right? But
2: I mean, is the world really engaged in this now? Is this does this actually seem like oh, people really intend to make these changes and make it happen?
1: I was struck by the commitments from major countries, the U.S., China, India, which were agreeing to actually cut back emissions. And that made me think that smart people who have lots of expertise in this area have figured out how to do that in a way that they feel like is realistic. And then the second thing that seemed really important and promising is that once countries make these kinds of commitments, then that galvanizes entrepreneurs and inventors to start coming up with ways to help them hit those targets. And Bill Gates, in a I thought pretty great way, became part of this by getting a whole bunch of other wealthy people and countries to sign on to Funding the kind of basic research that could actually lead us to some solution. Because the more you think about this problem, the more you feel like, okay, we can reduce somewhat, but not enough to really keep the planet the way it is now. Something has got to come down the pike to give us some way of producing energy and improving living standards across the world that doesn't also wreck the planet.
2: People are not going to kind of voluntarily stop taking showers or start living in the dark, um, never driving anywhere. Given that, what, is it, what gets us to a real solution? It seems that only major technological innovation gets us to a real solution. But isn't there a level of fantasy in there? Well, yes. if
3: it's a technological solution, then it has to be implemented. So if one of the te- technological so- solutions would be, say, creating wind farms on a scale just far greater than we already have, is it Jeffrey Sachs who makes the comparison between the number of oil wells built in a year, if you replace that basically with wind turbines, that that would represent the kind of wholesale shift. So if the technology is there, and I don't know, I still don't remember where we are in terms of storing the energy that's produced by wind turbines and how long you can store
2: it and how far it can travel. Part of it is that there is this level of of magic where people think it's probably not going to be 356,000 offshore wind turbines that are going to be the major solution. It's probably, if we're going to think our way out of this, it's going to be something Amazing. Well, it's but carbon the, sequestration. Yeah, like negative then. emissions, some or, kind of or, right, or or some getting fusion. the sun's energy yeah. in some way. We haven't succeeded right. In yet. Right. So it's it's is there a way to rationally get to the magical thinking? Are you allowed to incorporate that magic into your projections? Can you say, well, if we make, you know, if things get bad enough, all the scientists in the world will have to engage on this, and then we'll solve the problem? Or do you have to figure out how to solve this problem basically by saying, what can we do with? The solar we have, the wind we have, and dissuading people from harvesting coal.
1: Right. It's a good question because if you keep them on parallel tracks, then you both have this kind of doomsday, very pessimistic. where you're asking people to cut back or you're asking them to change the whole pricing structure for the way we consume and produce energy right now. But then you sort of have this bank shot over here that you're trying to um, also imagine working out. But since you can't bet on the second possibility coming through, it seems to me that you have to do both.
2: I feel like one of the real tragedies of the past 20 years has not been that the right has objected to climate change, but the right has been unwilling to endorse energy innovation at a massive scale.
3: They're all for energy innovation when it comes to fracking.
2: Yeah, but That's fracking. innovation. Yeah, no, but- it's You not mean- not. I mean, fra- you mean... Fra- energy innovation that doesn't, that is that is carbon uh, helpful. They're all in favor of nuclear. That's one area where the right and left can come together, but that's that's been pretty small.
1: But how is the right supposed to get behind this incredibly expensive set of adjustments you're asking for if people are going to continue to deny that climate change is really happening? There would be no motivation for it. Then you're just asking people to do this very difficult, expensive thing for no particular. No, reason. No, it's
2: like let's win energy. Let's, let's win, win energy. We are win winning it. energy. No, let's win it really. Let's win it. Let's let's win it. You know, Elon Musk style, not Exxon style. Just
1: for the hell of it, not because actually, otherwise the planet will melt. I mean, well, it seems to me like it's a little helpful to have the stick as well as the carrot on this issue, because what you're asking for is a big shift.
3: There's always needed to be an a, an initiating event that pulls people along more than any set of leaders always can. I mean, FDR said this, that he can't move faster than the country. Uh, Lincoln said the same thing about not being able to move faster than the country. Washington, when the Articles of Confederation were a disaster, wouldn't go to the Constitutional Convention at first because he said people haven't suffered from the bad system enough for them to really want the solution. So the question is, a, in the history of the American experience, when has collective well, action taken place where people have leapfrogged right. an event, and then B, in the current situation we're in, where things are so polarized and
2: messed up and nobody believes in collective action, period, is it possible? Right, but I don't think it's... I guess I, I think that this is a political issue is a really bad one, but you do see leapfrogging that happens in science, where you, where you see what an Edison does or, or what... Uh, what the creators of the the semiconductor and the computer industry do, where they they actually do leapfrog, they take something that's inconceivable and make it real for you. And so that that if you can find a way to make this really about a, a science issue and excite the imagination around the science and technology, and somehow make it not a political issue, then maybe it's a, a winner. I would love to see billion dollar prizes or ten billion well, maybe dollar that's prizes. What Bill Gates and his new yeah, whoever, So whoever. That's-
3: so what if that's the solution to basically any problem? What in, including the problem of why Washington is so messed up? Do you need to be able to create basically a contest? Yeah, like the, for energy, game. the yeah. energy game. Why don't right. we have
2: the energy Olympics? Like that would be awesome. Like an energy Olympics and the prizes are billions of dollars for the people who come up with a thing which is actionable fusion. Or you make then, so why can't J-Law you make that a reality show? Yeah and J Law plays you in the movie. Yeah. And then yeah, that would be awesome. And they're arrows. That would be awesome. What are I arrows? Think. In, oh, Hunger oh, in, in game. Hunger oh Games. sorry,
1: we lost you because that was, pop, that was culture, pop culture, and you yeah. don't go to the movies anymore. No, I
3: thought. Sorry, no, I thought you were talking about The Arrow <laughs> on um,
2: WB. All right, let's uh, let's move on from this. Gabfest is sponsored this week by Harry's. The holiday season is here. Don't be stumped, Emily Bazelon, by what to get the guy who's impossible to shop for. Harry's.com dot <laughs> com is your solution with their amazing shaving sets. They are amazing. I love my Harry's shaving set. I re-upped on shaving cream from <laughs> Harry's. I got some great new blades, a new handle. It's fantastic. I, I got, have
3: made the Harry switch,
2: I'm here to tell you fully. Wow. Being, yeah. There we That's go. That's
1: a good conversion.
2: Wow. Oof. I'm still looking on did you my, hear that?
1: the men in my home.
2: You have a new shavers, probably. Little shavers. What? Little shavers. <laughs> Little <laughs> shavers. Too, oh, they,
3: yes. they, they don't have to do it as much.
2: Holiday shaving sets start as low as $15, and just for political GabFest listeners, Harry's will give you $5 off your first purchase when you go to harrys.com and enter promo code GABFEST. Give a great gift you can feel good about by knowing that Harry's also gives 1% of their sales and 1% of their time back to the communities they serve. Don't wait. Free shipping for the holidays ends on December 10th, so act now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, code GABFEST. Harry's makes every morning feel like a holiday. All right, here's another grim shooting topic. Laquan McDonald, uh, murdered by a Chicago cop in 2014. He was supposedly, according to the story put out at the time, he was supposedly threatening with a knife, a police officer. The evidence that has now come out, which we'll talk about, shows that that is distinctly not the case. He was walking away. He was indeed carrying a knife, but he was walking away. He was shot 16 times, including 14 times while he was on the ground by an officer, Van Dyke, of the Chicago Police Force. Uh, Van Dyke has been charged with first-degree murder. The city of Chicago bought off or tried to buy off the family, did buy off the family with a $5 million payment, even before a lawsuit was filed, that's pretty amazing, to keep a video of the shooting secret. This video has now been forced into release by a journalist who demanded it over the objections of the city, over the objections of the mayor, the police chief, everybody. The mayor, Rahm Emanuel, has fired his police chief for this and probably for other reasons, but really for this. No, really for this. Really for this. Last
1: week he said he loved the guy.
2: And now there are questions about whether Mayor Rahm Emanuel, in fact, abetted a cover-up of this video in order to prevent it from coming up before an election, a tight election he was facing. So, Emily, why is this case important?
1: Well... It's Chicago, a really big city, and while we know that the police in big cities sometimes do the wrong thing as well as the right thing, this is just such a glaring example of one of these shootings of someone who was innocent and not posing a threat, and that makes the reverberations really great to have that— Really huge, I should say, to have that happen in such a big city. So, what you're taking down is not like the kind of small time police department and city government of a place like Ferguson, Missouri, but like the whole city is shaken by this. And then the timing problem is just I just don't know what else to think. I don't want to ascribe bad faith to Rahm Emanuel. I don't know hmm. him at all. I mean, he, you know, obviously is like a Paul and wants to be. Keep his job, but I don't know. How else are we supposed to interpret keeping this video secret while he was having a very tight race for reelection? Um, unless we want to imagine that he knew nothing about it, which seems just well, like... Well, wasn't
3: there one point at which he said that release of the video would taint the investigation? Yeah,
1: but I just... This whole thing about the tainting the investigation... So first of all, the judge ruled against that. But second of all, how did it take them 13 months to bring these murder charges? I mean, all you have to do is watch that video, which Anita Alvarez, the state's attorney in Cook County, which is where she, what the name is for Chicago, she had that two weeks after the shooting. And she also... She's in a tight race for re-election right now. So the idea that there was some long-running investigation that was somehow – it's just not plausible. And just sort of – there's something just so disheartening about seeing big city politicians make these kinds of claims. And then for a to say, like, oh, maybe I made a mistake. I mean, maybe you <laughs> made a mistake. I just, like – I don't get it. And the other thing is, okay. so, you know, if they had released the video close to when it came out, it would have been a couple of months after Ferguson and Chicago might have exploded in some way. But they would have been out in front of it. Like if they had brought charges really quickly when that happened in Columbia, South Carolina, in the Walter Scott shooting we talked about, that made a huge difference. You don't have to bury something and cover it up and protect the police officers involved who have done something that is clearly illegal and mm. murderous well and which yet- is what
3: well, which takes us back to the electoral yes. rationale which right is and that- the
1: idea that you can't lose the support of the police in Chicago and the
3: African-american community who you would enrage if you didn't that you're going to have to make a choice you mean, yeah.
1: between the African-American community and the cops. Right. Right. But that's a false choice in the end because the African-American community, like everyone else, wants good policing. And there are black people on the police force. So there was a clear path to doing the right thing here. And that is what city governments well, do, are for. And it didn't happen.
3: Part of this, too, is there's a crime. I mean, I think is this the yes, number 2, ki- 2,100 people. 2,700
1: shootings in Chicago. Yeah. By that's the way, crazy. which gets us
3: back. I mean, which is also part of the gun control conversation, yes, which is and that and actually the during- outrage that, that is focused on mass shootings – it doesn't. Have, the same thing doesn't happen when right. you have twenty one hundred murders. And the Department of Police like Chief
1: Gary McCarthy was really trying to do something about gun safety and gun control, and he was very frustrated about the fact that people were bringing in lots of guns from outside of Chicago because he didn't have any control over the loopholes I mean, th- outside. Th- there the city. is this
2: weird dissonance. One of the problems I think that that we have in grappling with all these issues is there really are three distinct sources of rage at the moment. One is we have an epidemic of mass shootings. Two is we have an, a resurgence in uh, in urban. In murder, particular, urban colonized. murder, urban violence, and three. There's a increasing consciousness about violence of cops towards citizens, and these are three strains that, and they get really get confusing. Might when, as
3: well add in Islamo, whatever we decide, ISIS threat, right? An, yes,
2: yeah, so anxiety about terrorism, right? Yeah. And the terrorism anxiety, extremism, and, the, and these these issues are all kind of get muddled in your head, and it becomes very hard to think like if we criticize officer van dyke for being a murderer is are we weakening the police and their police response to this murder rise in chicago and is that if we take out this police chief who's for gun control but he's allowing rogue cops to go, ah.
1: Well, we need the police. And, we need to be able to turn to the police. No, I'm arguing the officers. Yeah, that
2: right. You do... are a police lover, We need them, And
1: yet, they are so clearly the bad actors some of the time in this incredibly scary way because on the street, in that moment, those officers had complete power over Laquan McDonald and the fact that there was this dash cam on their cop car did not stop them. Well, also, the... can we just note that there's 86 minutes of video from a nearby McDonald's That's gone. just vanished, yeah. which is...
3: So that's the part that is, maybe it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway because that's what I do, is that um, what makes this, going back to North Charleston, one bad actor, bad guy, does a bad thing, the system that surrounds him drops on him like a ton of bricks. So that suggests, okay, one bad apple. In this case, the system disappears the recent false press release, disappears the footage from the McDonald's or Burger King or whatever it was, that there are a lot of actors not only participating in the one cover up, but that they had the instinct to be able to do that, um, which which, you you know.
2: I I mean, the the thing, the number that is so shocking that we just learned is that the city of Chicago has spent more than five hundred million dollars in recent years on payouts to people who have made claims about wrongful police behavior. So it is obvious that the city of Chicago has decided, rather than actually root out this corruption, rather than kind of systemically deal with the problems of cops doing bad things, pay it off, cover it up, make that easier. There was this incredible story that they basically had a secret prison in Chicago where they were holding people in a secret prison in the middle of a city, a secret prison. You couldn't get access to it. Lawyers couldn't get access to it. It's stunning what, what this police force also has been able an to episode do.
1: episode of The Good Wife, I will just note for you. The was, single episode of The Good Wife I have watched is about a secret prison in the middle of the city.
2: You know, back to your point, David, about
3: the four strains here colliding and connecting each other, it also makes it impossible to have conversations about this, because if you are not as outraged about the ideological connections that might be at play in Colorado Springs as you are outraged about the ideological connections Either right. in in right. any terrorism right. related right. thing or right. Chicago right. related thing, right. right. then you you're you're a, judgment. Judgment. you're a hypocrite. Then you're a hypocrite, and you're not allowed to talk. Right. And then you get in a fight right. over here on the sidelines about how outraged you might or might not have been. And then of course all this plays out on Twitter, where everybody only has 140 characters. It and when it- are
1: you apt to just believe the first thing you hear about it? And when do you feel like, oh no, let's reserve judgment and wait for all the facts to be verified? Because part of one's instinctive answer to that question has to do with. How you feel, what you think the answer is going to be, and what you think it should be.
3: Yeah.
2: Do you guys think that Rahm is going to lose his job over this? Boy, it it doesn't. No I, way to take remember. him
1: out though. No recall. There's, There's no way have to actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but didn't he when you just have get reelected.
3: Yeah. Well, April was the runoff.
2: That's when they paid off the family with an April. Oh, oh my god. The, this is the
3: fact pattern that doesn't look good. And also <laughs> when you see it basically written. The more and more it keeps from being sentences keep being written like the one that if the video had come out Rahm Emanuel would not be mayor today. The right. more people How say then, that.
1: Exactly. Then you think like what exactly are you doing in that office?
3: Also one other thing we should just mention before we move on is that if the Justice Department investigates, you have basically the Obama Justice Department investigating the police department of his former chief of staff right Um,
1: that is clearly a very loaded decision but on the other hand I also thought it was honestly stupid of Emmanuel to try to fight that in some ways he's better off right now saying come on in
2: yeah well let's hear from our last sponsor today's show is also brought to you by the message an original science fiction podcast from panoply and GE podcast theater
0: hi Nikki Tomlin here and I'm the host of the message
1: I'm going to take you into an elite cryptography think tank and check it out. Their top project right now is to decode a highly classified radio transmission from the 1940s.
0: Have you listened to it yet?
1: Not yet. Uh, we're having a discussion about that. But if I offered you the chance to listen to it right now, um, sounds like a no. Well,
0: we don't really know what this is. Voices, music breathing but you know i'm not gonna mess with
1: that thing to sum it up
3: extraterrestrials
1: subscribe to the message
3: on itunes
2: search for the message on itunes let's go to cocktail chatter we're all together I wish we had a cocktail. So nice. We had a cocktail. Which of you do either of you I want to go you lunch? first? You did. You did buy me lunch. Bring Thank me, you me lunch, but no cocktail.
1: It's always go. about what didn't happen for you, huh?
3: Sorry. Thank you. Leto Thank you. Thank you. It was good. It was good. And you brought the butter
2: <laughs> and the extra roll. It was all good. She knows you're. So, this, I got this precise show, instructions.
3: This, about oh, that. you did? Oh. And yeah. wow. I,
1: I felt bad that I didn't bring you lunch. That's
3: yeah, Not that bad. <laughs> well, no,
1: What happened was I couldn't remember the name of Breadline, the salad and sandwich place that David loves for lunch and that I love for lunch. And I was right across the street. So then I had to text David. And then, of course, he was like, you But want you a couldn't
3: remember something? the location of it?
1: No, I couldn't remember anything except that there was a great, like, I couldn't remember the name. Nothing was in well, my this brain. This is
3: encouraging because I feel like I'm the one who has the
2: Swiss cheese brain. All right, what's your chatter, John? You're holding it in your hand, so chatter away.
3: I am. Uh, my chatter is about these mysterious ghost ships that are showing up on the coast of Japan. These um, vessels that are showing up with corpses on board. No they, way. This feels like an Atlas Obscura story. Yeah, I think totally. we did that. Oh, Go ahead. Okay. I don't know. I'm. I'm um. We're so they found it. at least eleven of these kind of rickety boats of unknown nationality since October. Last year, Japan found 65 of them, and there were 80 more of them in 2013.
2: Whoa. And
3: they just show up, and they're—so uh, what's weird about it is they think that they come from the Korean Peninsula and probably from North Korea because there have been some markings uh. they've found. And so then the question is, were they fishermen from North Korea but just because of the shoddy Maybe lack it's like of— a
1: burial ritual.
3: I don't think that's the no. case. Um, just... That, that <laughs> does not, not appear some... to be one of the theories being floated by— right. um, but that it's either they're fishermen who go out with antiquated equipment and then it just goes kaput, and there's no like North Korean coast guard to come right. rescue them, right. and they just die, and okay. then they wash up. The other is that they're defectors and they're people trying right. to escape North right. Korea. Right,
2: both um, chilling, but incredibly chilling. Are there? Do we believe that Japan is covering up hundreds of boats that are arriving with living people?
3: Oh. That's a really interesting question. Surely one of these would show up from North
2: Korea. If it's defector. I mean, yeah. you think like someone yeah. would make
3: it. That's a great question. Um, I mean, the,
2: the the history of that channel of water is fascinating because there was this, this period in the, when is it? Probably 60s, 70s, where North Korea would go and kidnap Japanese from the Isn't that the coastal narrative towns. of the Orphan Master's Son? The Orphan Master's Son has some of it related. in it. Yeah, but it would literally happen where they would go and kidnap Japanese and bring these Japanese back to North Korea to do, to be translators, to do act in films, to do all kinds of stuff and didn't acknowledge and these these people would have vanished and the Japanese didn't know where they were and only decades later would they realize, my God, my brother, my son is living in North Korea and his is now a North Korean citizen. They often get, you know, totally brainwashed and, so that that there's just crazy stuff that happens there.
3: I'm also fascinated by the sea as being like this other world in which just stuff happens in which – remember the story on the front page of the New York Times about that cell phone that was found, I think, in a cab that had an execution of pirates. The pirates were in a boat trying to attack a larger ship, and basically the guys on the ship had rifles and just shot the pirates in their boat. And then they filmed it on their cell phone, and then this cell phone was found in the cab, and they didn't know where it was in the world. It was just somewhere on the ocean, right. and these just dudes were shot right. in the head and
2: died out in the water somewhere, right.
3: and just- but like there is right. stuff going on out in the ocean that Sorry, is I don't go in the ocean yeah
2: there's one large ship a week that vanishes just vanishes no really? one knows where. yeah one that's a week it's crazy it's wow. crazy yeah see that's... the ocean is crazy don't... you should not go in the yeah. ocean mister right, I was spooked by no. Jaws when I... I was 8 years no, old I didn't
3: even... Jaws is like that's short. I feel like with the ocean I feel like we're surrounded you, in yeah,
2: fact it's true it's true <laughs> I agree with you that was it's profound like on an island oh yeah you're um, really
1: on it today
2: <laughs> uh Emily, what's your chatter?
1: At this panel I was moderating today, David Simon, the producer and writer of The Wire, as probably many of our listeners know, told a story about one of the actors on The Wire that was so upsetting and really illustrated the whole point of this conference, which was to call attention to the ways in which money factors into the criminal justice system. And sometimes it's the government imposing fines, and sometimes it's private companies managing how that's happening in a way that's incredibly punitive. So Felicia Pearson, the actress who played Snoop on the show, was from inner city Baltimore— Um, Had had some run-ins, maybe arrests, um, before she was on the show. But afterward, as her career as an actor was developing, she was caught on a a wiretap. They were wiretapping someone else. She said something, uh, according to David, Simon. They didn't really know what she said, but they charged her in a conspiracy to distribute heroin. And then she had a choice. There were going to be probably two years till her trial, so she could go to jail and lose the job she had lined up acting. Or she could have an ankle bracelet and pay for that ankle bracelet to the tune of $400 a week. So according to David, she paid for that ankle bracelet through the nose, and it basically wrecked her financially. And she ended up pleading guilty to a charge that she and her lawyer were very eager to fight in court because they offered her a suspended sentence. And the financial burden of this ankle bracelet and just the grind of being in the criminal justice system was so extreme. And then even though her sentence was suspended, she ends up with 10 years of probation. You're kind of under the social control of the Baltimore courts from the set of circumstances that are just impossible to imagine playing out in the life of like a middle class person. It's just this incredible divide and the way in which the government is behind a private company, you know, docking someone's wages to the tune of that much money. It just seems completely wrong and shocking. And I can't believe that that is how the system really works.
2: My chatter. One is I am reading a really good book, Another Civil War book called *Manhunt*, which is about the hunt for John Wilkes Booth. Really good. It's about the twelve days after. Hark! It's an
1: American history book. John Dickerson might have heard of it.
2: (laughs) John perked up.
3: Yeah, no, it's a like it's like a it's a mystery. It's a fascinating. I read that for the um, for the show we did where we pretended the assassination had just happened. Yeah, yeah.
2: So I recommend that book. Very good book. The other is that I for Thanksgiving I spatchcocked and smoked a turkey, and I. Cannot recommend that highly enough. So it's like a, you spatchcock or you take the backbone out, and then you flatten the turkey. And I just smoked it. And it didn't take – it only took an hour to cook the thing. Wow. It was delicious.
1: And did you like it better than roasted turkey? It's
2: much better. It was much better. It's absolutely delicious. Moister. Totally devoured. It uh, just had a lot more flavor. Mm. Very good. Our intern is Elbisgar Can I just Church. say the word yes.
3: spatchcock? Yeah, I know. I just should know. to say that. just be, want to say that word. I did just want to say it. I think, but I, I, it surprises me, or I should say it either surprises me or it's going to be one of those words where you're going to hear spatchcock all Can't day long call, afterwards. Can we call,
1: rename the, the show, the, the spatchcock, spatchcock edition.
2: edition? Spatchcock. It's uh. I think the cock must be, it's not a dirty word. I think cock must be just for a foul. Like, it's the thing you do with a, a foul. Yeah, spatch, well, what, 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 what yeah. That in God's name did you think it I was? I don't know. I'm just like, you know, not cock. That you That's that not, that not a word I'd say a lot. Our intern is Al Biscard Church. Our producer is Jocelyn Frank. Andy Bowers is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. The Gabfest is part of the Panoply Network. Check out our entire roster of podcasts at iTunes.com Panoply. Our show page is slate.com slash gabfest with lots of links to what we talked about today. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash gabfest. Our Twitter feed is at slategabfest. And our email address is gabfest at slate.com. Please subscribe to the Gabfest on iTunes. Leave a comment and rating while you're there. If you like the show, that helps us. For Emily Bazelon and John Dickerson, all together, I'm David Plotz. We'll talk to you next week. You know what, listeners who have stayed this long, you know what the amazing... This is our 10th anniversary. This, today is this wow. week is our 10th oh, so anniversary. Wow. I'm
1: here today. I know.
2: so great. We'll
1: Happy anniversary guys. Happy anniversary. Yeah.
2: Happy anniversary. What did you guys get me? Uh a lunch. spatchcock chicken. <laughs> oh you got me lunch. shit.
3: <laughs> well <laughs> wait, better. hold on. That's incredibly like whatever that you got it from Breadline, which is the place that the show walking back from the Breadline sort of was conceived. It's true. It's That's Oh totally my god. The, it's some kind of yeah. I don't know. That's kind of what is it? Psychic or karma or spatchcock? I don't know. Step
0: into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at choppacasino.com